Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Joshua chapter 4. What about these stones? God has taken us on a journey as a ministry over the last few months. And, and I want you to understand, I have, I have thoroughly enjoyed preaching in the last uh, uh, few months, more than I've enjoyed preaching in a long time. And God has been really speaking to us, especially starting back with the sermon on God speaking to Abram about moving. And then talking to us about transition and how God uses transition to transform our lives. To put us in a place where God can talk to us about breakthrough. And, and oftentimes when we get to those points, what we think, what we understand as a breaking point in our life. A point that is going to destroy us. God is often using that as a breakthrough point. And we walk this journey through the scripture in, in, in an incredible way. And, and I love how God has just been sovereignly speaking each week. This weekend, uh, we shared with the youth group about how we felt like as a leadership team that they were on the verge of the, of, of the power of God and the anointing of God and how God was using them now, how God was not interested in setting them down and waiting for tomorrow, that even from the middle schoolers up to the high schoolers, they're all on the verge of the promises of God. And how they needed to take the steps, the proper steps in being on that. And, I, and I'm just amazed at how God, as God spoke to me about this morning, how God incorporates that same thing into what we're doing. And to what he's saying to us. In Joshua chapter 4, it's an interesting scripture. And I want to, I want to do my best to share with you uh, uh, the story. I don't have time to read the whole thing to you this morning. But I, I want to share with you my heart as I read this story. We'll pick it up where Joshua is, is, is crossing the Jordan. And the Jordan is, is split from the middle. From the, everybody say from the middle. From the middle out. And how God begins to speak to him about what all this means. So in chapter 4, verse 6, So Joshua called together twelve men that he'd chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord, uh, your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children. Someone say, my future. In the future, your children will ask you, what about these stones? Then you'll tell them. They remind us. They're a memorial. That the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Bless it to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... 
Now, here's, here's what I need you to understand. Today, I'm going to hit some points. And it's going to be important that you remember these points as we progress through this message. Because I, I think that as we progress through it, each one of them are connected. And, and it's, it's super important that you get it. I want to talk about the man. I want to talk about the morning. I want to talk about the mission. I want to talk about the moment. I want to talk about the memorial. And I want to talk about the message. Now, that seems like a lot. Don't panic. But what we do know this morning as we think about all those things, the man. Come on, church. Joshua. As we think about the mourning, the sadness that took place inside of what was going on, the mission that was happening around them. As we think about the moment, as, as we think about this memorial that God is saying, I want you to build, and, and the message that comes from that. You, we've got to first understand that Israel had been on a very long journey. And the journey is longer than we often really think about because the, we, we often think about their journey as a 40-year wandering in the wilderness. But you've got to understand, they had 400 years before that in slavery. And in that 400 years of slavery, they never stopped talking about the promise of God. They never stopped talking about what God had promised them. And we meet them now at the Jordan. And because we can often be judgmental about what they went through wandering in the wilderness for 40 years when it should have been just a little over a two-week journey, we can forget about what it cost them to be there. So close to the promised land. So on the verge of what they had always longed for. At, at what those that came before them and didn't make it. Those who, who didn't survive all those years in slavery. All their ancestors and all the things that they had longed for. All those who had told them the stories of the goodness of God. And, and this promised land and what God had promised. All this stuff. The stories of Abraham. And here they are, here they are finally standing on the brink of the promise of God. They are literally on the verge, finally. finally. Everybody say finally. You've never been there. You never wanted something so bad. You never waited for something so long. You never prayed for something for so many years that finally you find yourself on the verge. Whew. We're almost here. We're almost here. Man, it's there. It's right there. It's that moment that we have longed for. If you've ever been there, you realize and you think in yourself that when you are at that moment, when you are on the verge, it should be one of the moments of greatest celebrations ever. Think about what we've been through. We're at the Jordan, 400 years in slavery, 40 years in the wilderness. Think about what we need, what we've been through. Listen, folks, when we get on the other side of the Jordan, we're finally going to get a new pair of clothes. 40 years they're closed in. Come on. I, I literally sometimes have to go back on Sunday mornings and briefly look at the sermon. From the last sermon, uh, uh, last Sunday, just to remember what I wore. So I don't wear the same thing. Hello, somebody. Like, what did I wear last week? 
40 years, they never had that thought. Finally, it's a moment of celebration. It should be so fun. There should be music. There should be singing. There should be a parade. But that's not what's going on at all. Sometimes, when you get so close to what God has promised you, it doesn't feel like what you thought it would. You know why? Because the one thing you do understand that you didn't before is what it cost you to get there. And because of what it costs you to get there, you don't have the strength to respond like you thought you would. Come on, church. Come on, I hear people all the time say, man, when I finally get out of debt, do you know how hard it is to get out of debt? I hear parents say all the time, listen, we just spend a lot of time with your kids. I hear parents tell me all the time, when I finally get my kids raised, and they move out. Man, we're going to throw a party. Don't be so quick, because let me just tell you from experience, they always come back. <laughs> Man, I, I've sat for 25 years with couples in crisis in their marriages. And the one thing that we always hear from those couples is when I finally get my marriage fixed. In those moments when we make those statements, we have no, we, we think about celebrating. We, we can't fathom the cost it takes us to get to that point. And often when we get to that point because of that cost, instead of celebrating, we can find ourselves a little shell-shocked. Come on, church. I, I'm not, maybe I'm just preaching to me this morning. I'm okay. I've done that for a long time. It costs you so much, it's hard to dance. It costs you so much, it's hard to celebrate. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen a mother who just gave birth, just minutes before, just gave birth to a baby, get up and dance because the delivery was over. You know why? Because of the cost of labor. And the energy it took. Come on, moms. Hi, well, come on. I, 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 I can't tell you I understand. But I can tell you I've seen it. It doesn't take away the joy of the baby being here. It doesn't take away your happiness. But oftentimes, all you want to do is just hold your baby and fall asleep with him. Because both of you have been through. Come on. But for nine months, all you could do was go, man, you can't wait. And now it's here and you ain't dancing. Most of you ain't dancing because you can't feel your legs from the medicine they gave you anyway. Yeah, I, I got to move on with this. Come on, somebody. Let Pastor Don tell you something this morning. I want you to receive this and I want you to receive it well. Often the greatest battle is when you are closest to your destination. 
Once you learn that, once you learn and once you understand that often the greatest battle is when you are closest to your destination, then you'll understand how to be happy in the hard place. Because, see, the battle is a sign to you that you are nearer than you ever have been before. So when the children of Israel should have been dancing, they're not dancing because things are not like they had foreseen. Moses is dead. That wasn't part of the plan. We got this rookie leading us now. That wasn't part of the plan. Anybody in this place this morning or listening, you ever been blindsided? Caught off guard. What just happened? That is not what we had planned. Anybody in this place this morning? Gone through something that cost you more than you planned to spend? Israel imagined themselves in a very, 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 very different place. They had been, y'all better hold on, they had been in transition. For 40 years, they'd been in transition. They were ready for something more, church, than manna to eat. They were ready to sleep in some place else other than a tent on the ground. Forty years, they've been in this transition mode from Egypt to the promised land. Forty, everybody say 40 years. Come on, everybody say 40 years. You and I have been in transition for a couple of months and we're about to die. Oh, now they're requiring this. What about that? Listen, I'm, I'm just going to tell y'all something. Y'all fussing about Walmart requiring masks, and y'all ain't been wearing clothes to shop at Walmart for a long time. Okay? I've been in there. I'm just saying is all, and I'm moving on. We've been in transition for a few months. What was supposed to be 15 days has turned into, and we're about to die. We've been in transition for a few months, and we've lost friends over that transition that we thought we'd never, over what? That is as ridiculous as the day is long. These people were just about to be done with 40 years of transition. They're on the verge. They're on the verge. They're finally going to receive it. And Moses up and dies. They never saw it coming. They never saw it coming. You know why? Because Moses, y'all remember starting? Moses was the man. 
He was the man. Absolutely, Moses was the man. Don't you think he wasn't? He's the one who challenged Pharaoh. I mean, Aaron spoke for him, but Moses was the man. He's the one. He's the one that gave him direction at the Red Sea. He's the one who said, hey, hey, at the Red Sea, don't worry about those mountains. Amen. Don't worry about that cloud of smoke from from, uh, Pharaoh's army behind us. Don't worry about this water in front of us. Y'all need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's the one who raised up his stick and the water from the edge of the Red Sea split wide open. That wind started blowing from the back of Moses across the sea. He raised his stick and boom, that sea opened up. He's the man. He turned the bitter waters sweet. He prayed for quail to drop out of the sky in the desert. He was the one who lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. He was the one who talked to God face to face. He was the one who brought the Ten Commandments. He was the one who gave the design for the tabernacle. I want you to understand something this morning. Moses was the man. What do you do when the man goes up the mountain and he doesn't come back down? He, uh, he's been up there before, and he always came back down. I mean, we had to wait one time uh, for a while, and, and we kind of lost our mind a little bit, and, and we found ourselves dancing naked around the cat. But, you know, Moses has always come back. I, yeah. Let me tell you something, church. I want you to grab this and grab it. God always starts with a champion. He always starts with a champion. And I believe today in the world that you and I live in, there is a deficit in the people of God of people who will stand up and carry the mantle of God. We'd rather complain about what others should do instead of taking on the yoke of responsibility ourselves. Do you know how many people contact me each week because they know exactly what I ought to be doing, but they ain't got a clue what they should be doing? I'm just throwing that out there. Why do we always want to delegate responsibility while we never take any ourselves? And you just go ahead. Go ahead. Do yourself a favor. Go ahead and go buy yourself the shirt. I'm the man. $24.99. You can buy it. buy yourself the shirt, wear it around, I'm the man. But Pastor Don's going to tell you right now, this morning, in this place, that when you're the man, it's going to cost you more than $25. You see, the very same people who complained about Moses are the very same ones who are now crying because Moses is dead. Can, can you hand me my phone? I would to God. This morning, I, I was in the media room real quick, and, and, and it just hit me. It, I mean, it just hit me so powerfully. Uh, the guys were pulling up the live stream, and uh, many, many of you have met him, and some of you haven't. Um, Pastor Rick was uh, in, in South Carolina, Pastor Rick, the, the man who discipled me, the man who's my pastor, the man taught me how to preach, the man gave me the love for the church, the man, the man who, who taught me how to read and understand the word of God. Uh, you, you, you guys hear me talk a lot about him. He was on live. He was on his way to his church. And the guys all pointed out, look, there's, there's Pastor Rick. He's on live and he's driving in his car to church encouraging people about the grace of God. You know what, I, I, I thought about it in just that moment. I would to God that we would appreciate our leaders sooner. 
than later. In that moment, I, I thought real quick how, how often when I walked with him, I didn't appreciate him. And that, that scripture in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Because their work's to watch over your soul, and they've got to give an account to God for you. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. Give them, it's in the Bible, give them reason to do that with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly be for your benefit. I seen Pastor Rick walk in the supernatural. He's the one who taught me to walk in the supernatural. He's the one who threw me on a demon-possessed person one day and said, in the name of Jesus, cast it out. I'm like, nah, you usually do that. He was like, your turn. Y'all, y'all don't, y'all have no idea how I was discipled. I was thrown in the deep end of the pool and said, Swim. Why, why, why do we wait till people are gone to appreciate them? Why do I say this? Because I want to be appreciated? No, you miss my point. You see, in this room right now, you might be God's champion and not even know it. In this, listen, you might be God's champion right now and not even know it. You, you, you cannot wait for the accolades of others to understand who you are because generally people don't affirm you until you don't come off the mountain. You need to forget all that and do what you need to do. You need to forget all that and do what you need to do. You need to forget all of that and do what you need to do. And so here's where we're at in this story. Here's where we're at in the context of our sermon series that God's been speaking to us now. The man is gone and the morning has started happening. I'm not talking about the sunrise. I'm talking about the sadness. For weeks they mourned. So we've got the man. He's gone. Now the morning. Watch this, watch this. Moses was dead. So evidently, so is our future. Moses, he's a man who spoke face to face with God. He's dead. That must mean the conversation with God's over. Because remember, they told Moses, hey, we don't want to talk to God directly. We want you to talk to God and you come speak to us. That's what they told him. They told him that. God don't do that because we don't want it. Because the last time we tried to talk to God face to face, he opened up the earth and swallowed some of us. Number two, right? We don't want to be the ones personally telling God no. Like if you come back and talk to us, Moses, uh, and we don't like what you've got to say, we'll just tell you no. And maybe God won't swallow nobody no more. Now, how are we going to hear from God? Moses is the one who always brought us the word of the Lord. How are we going to hear from God? See, now this morning is happening, right, at the bottom of the mountain. This wailing, this sadness is taking place. Funny how things change because it wasn't too long ago at the bottom of a mountain they were dancing naked around a calf. 
Now the dancing's turned to mourning. Because the man is dead. And maybe so are we. You see, I don't want to be cruel, but I just want to be honest because I've been there. I've experienced it. And just like you, the problem with mourning is we think we're weeping for those we lost, when in reality what we're doing is we're weeping for ourselves. There's a part of mourning that's laced with self-pity. It's true. It's true. When our grandson died, there was a part of me that was laced with self-pity. God, I have been obedient Every time you've spoken, I've always done exactly what you asked me to do. When you asked me, this is not, come on somebody. See, I can prove it. I can prove that sometimes our mourning is wrapped up in self-pity because the question is always why instead of what. The children of Israel, who, who were known for their celebration, they were known for their worship amongst the pagan cultures. They were known for how exuberantly they worshipped and how they danced and how they celebrated and how their flags and their colors and their noise and their singing to their God was so famous. They, know, they were known all over for what they did. That's why, see, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about dancing and, 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 and celebrating in church. That's the way it should be. The people of God. God should be known for celebrating the goodness of their God. A cemetery is quiet because there's a lot of dead folk in there. And I can prove that to you too. See, the Babylonians, when, when, uh, when they had a, the people of God in captivity, the Babylonians came to the people of God and said, Hey, sing for us your songs of Zion. Man, we're so used to seeing you guys dance and celebrate and all this good stuff. Man, we want to hear some of that. Come on, sing us your songs. We want to move with you. Man, you're, you're so used to, where's your flags? Where's all your tambourines? Where's all this noise that we're so used to? Babylonians said, sing for us the songs of Zion. And you know, they said they hung their harps up on the willow trees that the Bible said and they said to them how, how can we sing now their dancing has turned to mourning why because Moses is dead and just, just when they're almost there instead of dancing here they are how about you are you mourning this morning because of some perceived loss in your life? I see Pastor Don's going to meddle a little bit, but you've got to go to heaven with me. So it's all right. Are you living in a state of mourning because of some perceived loss in your life? Just when you're almost there. I thought we turned the corner. I thought this was over. I thought it was all settled. Man, I've been at this for a long time. And I always pictured finally being done with it and being able to celebrate. And man, I'm so tired from the, come on somebody. And now, I didn't see this coming. I, this is not what I foreseen. This is not what I had in mind. This is not what's going on. See, morning will think you've lost the mission. The man, the morning, the mission. Morning will make you think you've lost the mission. They thought the man and the mission were the same thing. They thought Moses and the mission was the same thing. And they thought that losing the man meant they were losing the mission. See, there's, an all, there's always, church, a difference between the man and the mission. 
God, God merely turns his head without missing a beat and looks at Joshua and says, My servant, Moses is dead. You're the man. I don't want to be the man. You're the man. I don't want to be the man. Ethan, you're the man. I don't, I don't want to be the man. You ever notice, Ethan, God didn't ask Joshua's permission? He didn't even ask him his ideas. Hey, Joshua, you know what? If, if, uh, if Moses was around, you think you'd... You know why? Because he knew what Joshua would say. Nah. God came to Joshua, Ethan, and he said, You're the man. No, no, the man was Moses. I'm just a sergeant. See, in this moment, the man is dead, the mission's still alive. Y'all, the man is dead, but the mission is still alive. Somebody say, the mission's alive. The, the man is dead, but the mission's still alive. Joshua has got to rediscover himself now. He'd always been the sergeant. He'd always been under, but all of a sudden now he's the general. See, there's so much transition going on here. There's so much happening. Israel's transitioning from Moses to Joshua. God is transitioning from talking to Moses to Joshua. And Joshua is transitioning from being the sergeant to being the man. So much transitioning going on here. So much happening. You ever been overwhelmed because of all the transition that seems to be taking place? Lord have mercy. It's just, it won't stop. It just is always spinning. Everything is changing, right? The opening conversation with Joshua is this. Hey, Joshua, Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's verse 5 in chapter 1. Hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. You're the man. Don't worry, though. Don't panic about this because as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And I need you to think about that, Joshua, a little bit because, right, Moses challenged Pharaoh. Moses raised a stick in the wilderness. Moses prayed for quail. Moses, Moses led us through the Red Sea. See, that's pretty good because, see, as, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. I will be with you, Joshua. As you step into this new role... Joshua, I'm going to carry you to a new place. I'm going to do a new thing. But don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm, I, I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. Don't worry. I need you to pay attention to this. I need you to pay attention to this. Joshua goes down. And he finds himself. At the Jordan. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. The Jordan, a small little river, easy to cross, but man, we just happened to be here. Just a coincidence, just a little quinky dink. I mean, you know what? It, it just happens to be the time when the, when, when the Jordan is flooded and it's impossible to cross, even though normally we just walk across it, no problem. And most of the time, it's just a stream, and it's, it's so easy to cross, you know. Most of the time, right, now I could believe this, that as God was with Moses, uh, he will be with me, because that what's in front of me, most of the time, isn't a big deal. Joshua finds himself at an impossibility. Because there's certain times when it would flood, and it was impossible to cross, and and if he'd only got there two weeks earlier, if, 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 if he'd only come to the Jordan a few weeks, maybe we'd just hang out here, camp out for a little while and go down. Maybe, maybe we're, but God is saying, 
want you to cross right now. It, uh, but if we'd have got here earlier, I could just. What if you come at the wrong season? What should have been easy is difficult. Do you feel that right now? What used to be easy is now difficult. Do you feel that right now in your life? It, it used to be easy, but now this season in my life is overflowing with difficulty. It used to be easy. This, this seems to be a season for all of us. I'm, I'm speaking to us personally this morning because I believe that's what God wants to do. This seems to be a season for all of us where what used to be clear and defined is now blurred and washed away. Job security. Financial stability. Physical health and strength. Relationships. What used to be clear and defined. Where are the boundaries anymore? They change them every day. When will it get back to normal? When will it get back to normal? Here's the biggest question of all. Do I have time to wait? When will it get back to normal? Or do I have time to wait? And all of this, God is calling you and I to cross over at the worst possible time. Can we just punt 2020, God? We'll cross over in 21. Joshua's got to lead a people who don't want him. And he's got to lead this people who don't want him across a river at the worst possible time. They got, they got to follow someone across this impossible crossing that they're not really sure of. How, how do we know God's going to be with him like he was with Moses? If a man always gets greater after he dies, and Moses was great while he was alive, can you imagine how great Moses was now? Joshua standing in front of the Jordan, and everybody's back there behind him going, man, I wish, I wish Moses was here. I'm just telling you right now, man, Moses, we see, he just raised his stick, and I don't know, Joshua here is just like... What is happening here? That's not what we saw, right? Like, remember the, remember the serpent on the stick and everybody got killed? Do you, you, remember, you remember the water was bitter and we were going to die of thirst? And, and it, it turned to Moses was the man. He was there. Well, I'm sure about that. And can you hear them in the background? And Joshua was standing there the whole time going, wait, I'm looking at an impossibility, God. I don't, I don't get it. This is the worst possible time to lead a people who don't believe in me, to lead in a people who, who, who have no confidence in me. This is the worst possible time. And he can hear them saying, hey, you remember that? Remember that rock, Moses? And water flew out. I mean, like... This is the Jordan, not the Red Sea, but the obstacle is still the same. And here Joshua stands in front of the obstacle with the promise of God. This 
is the moment. Ooh. The priests are behind him, and the obstacles in front of him, and the promise of God is on the other side of it. And here is Joshua. God just told me he's going to be with me as he was with Moses. And so Joshua marches right down to the Jordan, and nothing happens. No breeze blowing. I bet there wasn't a stitch of wind. Um, can you see him tap the stick on it? Does this thing work? What do you do? What do you do when it's your moment and nothing happens? Mm, I'm preaching to somebody today. What do you do after fighting so hard to get to the door you finally wanted to get to and nothing happens? What do you do when it's your moment and it doesn't work? Listen, the message isn't about what worked. It's about what didn't. If God's going to do the same with him as he did with Moses, all Joshua should have to do is raise his rod. Nothing. Can you hear the people behind him? I know it's been 40 years, but I remember. Who could forget? The Red Sea. It's been 40 years. But who can forget? You don't forget moments like that. Plus, he came down all, he came down and told us Moses was dead. He, what, and, and he told us, God said, don't worry. Be, because as he was with Moses, he's going to be with him. But y'all know what? I, I don't feel any, I don't feel no wind. Everything's going wrong. I know I'm preaching to somebody today. I know right now. I, y'all squ- I know in your spirit. You're just like, I be- come on, preacher. I've been there. I, come on. I, I'm right there right now. I, everything's gone wrong. Everything has gone wrong. This is the moment we must decide. And you must decide right now. In your life, this moment that you are standing in front of this obstacle is a critical point. It's a breaking point or a breakthrough point and nothing is happening. You have to decide how you're going to live your life. Are you going to tuck your tail and back off or are you going to step down into the water? You got to decide. Moses didn't have to get his feet wet. He told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. What he didn't tell Joshua was this. What I did with Moses, I'm going to do with you. Most of them, it's not fair. I got to get my feet wet. I got, 
Come on, I got, I got, I got, I got to get my feet wet. I, I, what was happening here? Joshua couldn't raise a rod and, and move trouble out of the way. He had to step into trouble. Some of y'all not seeing a breakthrough because you want God to blow all your troubles away. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to be a God who walks with you through trouble. To see your miracle, you're going to have to get your feet wet. I'm just saying it right now. Right there for everybody to hear. Maybe nothing's happening because you're waiting on the wind when you should be getting your feet wet. There's somebody here right now that's getting ready, amen, to walk into something. You're getting ready to walk into something you've never been in before. Something you've never foreseen before. Something you didn't want to walk into. Something like it's never been before. And it seems like it can't be it seems like it cannot be moved. There's something you're facing right now in your life that's saying, if God was with you, then you shouldn't be going through this. But the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. Amen. I said the devil is a liar. Somebody here this morning's in the middle. you in the middle of God saying, move, because I'm going to use transition to transform your life and change what's going to happen. And the obstacles that you think are impossible are not impossible for me. And you got to understand, as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. I might not do the same things I did before, but don't you worry about who I am. I'm God. I am God. And ain't no water deeper than me. There's no mountain bigger than I am. There's nothing that can't be crossed. Something you're facing right now that's saying, if God was with you, you shouldn't be happening. You thought it was supposed to work one way, and because it didn't, you want to quit. You on the verge. Come on, somebody. You on the verge, and just because the waters don't part at the edge don't mean it won't open in the middle. Joshua had to, he had to step. He did, he, it was dirty. I can't even see the bottom. I how deep is it right here in the first step? He didn't know. Now I'm not going to like this, but God told me to tell you, he ain't going to do nothing until you do something. He's not going to move if you don't move. He's he not going to show up if you don't show up. God is done making everything easy. You're going to have to get your feet wet. Here's your moment. Here's your moment. Here's the moment that changes your struggle. Tell your neighbor, step on it. I said, tell your neighbor, step on it. Watch this. Watch this. The priest had to go first. They had to stand still in the midst of the troubled water. They had to go first. The priest stood still in the water. Then God said, take a rock. From where the priest stood. Not on the edge. No, 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 no. Because, see, when the priest got out there, the water didn't split from the edge like it did at the Red Sea. No, 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 no. It split from the middle. And God said, I want you to remember that in the middle of what you thought you couldn't cross, you're going to take something that never lets you forget what I did. Yeah. Where the priest stood, you're going to take a rock. And as a matter of fact, not just one. I need you to take 12. I have one for everybody that represents who I am on planet Earth. I need you to take 12. I need, I need you to get there right where the priest stood because I'm going to turn your moment into a memorial. 
A memorial is something you remember. It's a standard that sets you apart from everything else. A memorial is your story. It's your story. It's your story. The stones are a representation of your testimony. It's all about the stones. It's the thing that's proof to a lost and dying world that God was there. That God was with you. God was there when the water was too high. God was there when you were on the verge and it seemed impossible. God was there when you wanted to give up and he kept pushing you forward. God was there when you didn't believe. God was there when you wanted to turn around. God was there when you wanted it to just be as bad as it used to be. Not as bad as it looks like it's going to be. God was there. God was there. God was there. It's your story. Amen. It's who you are. They could not leave the Jordan without some stones. Too many times you're sitting in this room right now and you're listening to me. Too many times you go through trouble and you don't get nothing out of it. That's why you don't change. Because you go through trouble and you don't get nothing out of it. God said, not this time. Not this time. You're going to get something out of it. Amen. You're going to pick up a stone right in the middle. See, let me tell you something. When your children see your stones, that's proof to them that God was with you. Y'all need to be done with Pastor Don preaching to your kids. Not my job to lay stones in their life for you. I love them. And I've seen more of the Holy Ghost in some of them this week. Come on, somebody. You need some stones that your kids will come to you and say, what about these stones? What about this story? What took place there? How did God move there? Tell me about this. I don't quite understand it. What if the reason our children don't see God is because we quit before we get any stones? You got to go through some trouble. You got to go through some deep water to get some stones. These are the stones that tell the next generation who God is. Because, see, here's what happens the memorial always turns into the message. When your kids ask you, tell them. I stand here today because of what somebody else did. After getting saved, I learned that I had a Pentecostal aunt who prayed for me as a little boy. She approached me one day and she said, you'll never remember that prayer because you were a little bitty boy, but I remember praying in the spirit over you that God would make you a preacher full of fire because you were a naughty little guy. (laughs) And I prayed that God would loose you on the devil because I was tired of God loosing you on me. I stand here today Because of what somebody else did. 
because a pastor looked at me, a young man who knew nothing about the scripture, and said, I see something of the Lord on him. Amen. Because a man drove all the way from Michigan to the backwoods of Florida, looked me in the eyes, name is Glenn Middleton, and said, you got to get lost to find this place. I need you to come to Michigan. Your children will stand here or they will drown here because of what we do and did here. I stand here today because God said move. And he used transition to transform my life so I could have a breakthrough because he had some stones he wanted my children to see. And that's the truth for each and every one of us in this room. As a 19-year-old, God saved my life. He saved me. Under an old gospel tent, He's, that's a stone. As a 21-year-old man addicted to pornography, for years I could not get loose and broke. And one Sunday night at a church service, I pulled a chair up to the altar. And I said, I'm not leaving here till God delivers me from this sickness in my soul. I'm not leaving. There's a stone. Right? Listen to me, church. I was an angry young man. My, 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 my aunt, she didn't lie. I was meaner than a rattlesnake, and I'd punch you in the face before you knew it. You can ask my wife, the man she's married to today, not the man she married. I was an angry guy. I would run through walls. I remember ripping doors off hinges. I was so mad one day, I drove one of our cars right into the other one. You, the guy you call Tigger today, ain't the guy this woman married. I was mean. I was angry. And I was mad. And I remember praying, God, will you take this anger away from me? Will you give me the joy of the Lord? And God filled my heart and my soul full of his joy. And he took that anger away from me. And he gave me laughter in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. It's a stone. Y'all not listening to me. God, God delivered me from being a horrible husband. I was terrible. I was selfish. All I thought about was me. All I thought about was me and what I could get and what everybody else was supposed to give to me. I was a terrible husband. Terrible. I may not have beat her or, or cursed at her. I may not have mistreated her in any of those ways. But I was so self-centered and selfish. And God delivered me, amen, from being a horrible, horrible husband. And that's a stone. Y'all not listening to me. And then God not only, amen, took a woman who was packing her bags and leaving me after being six months married, amen, and taking my children away. God took that, amen. And God not only delivered me from being a horrible husband, but he let me keep my wife. He let me keep my children. He let me keep. That's a stone, y'all not listening to me today right God restored my marriage and he let me keep my family church y'all not listening to me right 
And in the midst of all of that, my son and I, my son and I, my very flesh and blood, the only son I got, amen, we didn't live together because of my sin as a young man before I came to know the Lord. My son, I only got to see him four days a month, and two of those days I had to work. I barely got to spend any time with him, and it was a difficult time. And I prayed for 12 years, God, I'm not against his mother. She's not an evil woman, but God, I'm not afraid to ask you to give me back my son. He belongs to me. I want to raise him up to be a man of God. I want to raise him up to trust you. And I thought when God called me, amen, from Florida to Michigan, that God was going to take him away from me and never give it. I would never see him again. But I had to obey God. And that little 12-year-old boy, he went to his mother and he said, God had spoken to me and said, I'm supposed to go live with my dad and I'm supposed to grow up, amen, and be trained by him and by a supernatural power of God. She let him come and do that. It's a stone in my life. Y'all not listening to me, church. And then at 14 years old, we discovered because he got sick and fell out and almost died. And I had to scoop up this little boy at 14 who was barely 70 pounds because he'd been so sick for two weeks. And the doctors were treating him for a sinus infection. They never tested his blood. They never did any of those things. And finally, when he passed out and went blind, I scooped him up and took him to the hospital. We discovered that not only was he a diabetic, but he had a blood sugar level of 26. 600 and the doctor pulled my wife and I out of that room and he said I cannot tell you I cannot tell you why he's not in a coma and I need you to understand something there's nothing I can do from keeping him in a coma and I can't guarantee you that he's gonna live the night but he wasn't in a coma he was livid and lucid and he was flirting with every nurse that came in the room I never seen a 14 year old boy lay down so much Mac in all my life I had to apologize to every one of those nurses and they said he can flirt with us as long as he's awake we don't care what he said and God saved a little boy who had 2600 blood sugar he never went in a coma and within a week we were out of that hospital and we were back home with him y'all not listening to me that's a stone in my life I'm telling you right now that same little boy that same little boy rejected me at 18 years old and he was tired of living in Pastor Don's shadow he was tired of feeling like everybody in the church felt like he was supposed to be me and he couldn't handle it anymore and he rebelled not only against God but he rebelled against me and he left this boy God had given me this boy God had given me he left he ran to Arizona and I didn't get to see him and he wouldn't return my phone calls I began to pray again and I I said, God, I remember. I remember for 12 years I prayed. And if I could pray for 12 years, I can pray again for 12 years. And I want you to know within a few, four, few shortly years, hey, at this altar standing right here, I still have a picture on my computer today that I look at often. I remember God bringing that prodigal boy home. I remember him recommitting his life to the Lord. I remember that. Y'all not listening to me. There's a stone in my life, right? And in the midst of all of that, hey, God deposited me in the midst of a people who had a vision from God. I didn't have to come in here as pastor and scheme up some new kind of plan or idea. I didn't have to do that. No, God had already given you a vision. God had already deposited his heart in here. And all God asked me to do was come in and facilitate. We've been doing this together. God deposited me in this place. He didn't deposit you in this place. God brought me across the world and put me in a place of vision and hope and all those things. That's a stone in my life. Y'all not listening to me this morning, right? 
It's a stone. I don't know if you got any stones. Look at And then God speaks and says, I want you to build. And a little bitty backwards town. We're a mile and a half square. And only 1,200 people live in that town. But I want you to build my church. And everybody in my life said, you have lost your mind. Except for the elders. And they said, look, we might as well all go crazy together. We got a word from the Lord. And God said to build. And in a little bitty town with 1,200 people that live in it, we have 185 family units that call this place their home, their house of worship. Y'all not listening to me. That's a stone. God gave me a grandson. Sovereignly. Boy, he was a joy. And I had lots of dreams. I love my granddaughters. All of them. They're all precious to me. God gave me one grandson. And through his death... I learned to trust God like I'd never learned to trust God before. I hate this stone. But it's the one stone that has caused me to believe God when I won't quit. It's the one stone that when I look at it, I remember that when I don't understand the hands of God, I can trust the heart of God. Not every stone is clean and round. It's still stone. And then God says, in the middle of it all, I don't want you to think about what it cost. I don't want you to think about how you're going to do it. I just want you to be obedient. And I want you to be a church. That sins. Don't worry about the budget. Surround yourself with people with faith to say that if God has said we can cross the Jordan when it's flooded, we can go. To trust that He spoke into our heart to say, plant churches. I, I don't have the experience to do that. Frankly, I don't have the time to do it. Send missionaries. Be a sending church. I got a message today, not because I'm a preacher. 
but because I got stoned. You got a message today. And those stones are your message to a lost and dying world. And you got to get sick and tired of going through some stuff and coming out on the other side with nothing. You got to get sick and tired of going through some stuff and coming out on the other side with nothing. I, 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 don't, I don't know how to share my heart with you any other way than to say that God is moving you with transition to breakthrough. Don't you dare come out of troubled waters empty-handed. If God is moving you through transition to a breakthrough, don't you dare come out of troubled waters empty-handed. We are on the verge, regardless of what the world says, Regardless of what the governor says, regardless of what the politicians say, regardless of what the president says, regardless of what some kind of crazy virus says, regardless of what the experts say, I need you to understand God has already spoken and he spoke way before all this mess. Amen. He spoke way before all this mess. Don't you dare think that God has changed his mind. God is not scared of troubled waters. I will be with you. I might not do with you what I did with others, but I will be with you. But you better, you better get some stones. Because somebody's going to ask you. Come on, come on up here. I don't. Stand with me in this place. You, you've been through some troubled waters and. Maybe you're going through them right now. I'm, in, I'm encouraging you. In the middle of that troubled waters. Stop worrying about making it to the other side. If God has told you to step into it, he's got full intent for you to make it to the other side. (laughs) I just picked 12 things. But I guarantee you, I am just like you. That if I stack stones on this altar for everything God has done in my life, we'd fill this room. But isn't that what we're doing? Oh, it's called living stones. What about these stones? What about these stones? What about these stones? They're living stones. And they find their being, their breathing in a God who said, I intend 
for you to get to the other side, but you have got to step out into the water. And so we're going to pray. If you want to come to the altar, you're more than welcome. Lord Jesus, this place this morning, forgive us, Lord, for balking at the troubled waters. Forgive us, Lord, when we're on the verge for wanting to quit. Help us, Jesus, find the courage to step forward and watch what you do, what only you can do. Lord, I want to pray right now. God, I'm not the only one who's got stones. I'm not the only one, Jesus, who, who's had a marriage that needs to be restored. I'm not the only one in this place, Jesus, right, who needs to be delivered from pornography. I'm not the only one in this place, Lord, who needs you to come and move and deliver them from anger, Lord. I'm not the only one, Lord Jesus, who needs a prodigal child to come back. God, and on their way back, what you do with them is your business, and how long it takes you, God, to deal with them is your business. All we care about, God, is that they're back. Lord Jesus, all we care is that we can embrace them and hug them and tell them we love them, God. Lord, I know I'm not the only one, God, who needs a physical healing, God, to be one of my stones in this place. Some of y'all need to move out. I don't know what you're doing, right? But you've been going through some stuff, leaving with nothing, and you're going to do the same today. God, we need vision. We need vision. We need to be obedient when no one else understands what you've spoken to our heart. God, we need to fill our lives, God, full of people, God, who, who, who will encourage us to grab a stone, who encourage us, God, to grab a stone. You told us to move, God. You use transition, Lord. You brought us to a break point that we thought was, a, Lord, uh, uh, going to destroy us. But we discovered it's actually a breakthrough point. And God, now you've given us a testimony. We want to celebrate. We want to be a people, amen, who celebrate the memorial, the stones, God, that you and you alone have done. That you and you have done, God. Come on, church. That never fails. He won't fail me now. I promise you, he won't fail you.
never forget this moment and let it be a moment of a memorial God where not only our lives are changed and transformed but the lives of our children are transformed and Lord those who come behind us will have confidence in the fact that you were with us because of the memorial of our story Lord Jesus, we stand before you and I declare right now every miracle that needs to take place right now in the name of Jesus. God, what they could not see and didn't have faith to believe, do what only you could do so only you can get the glory. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, come on, give Lord a hand. God bless you. Won't you look at your neighbor and tell somebody, step on in. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.